How is everybody? Good? Good. Um, we want to welcome you to Burlington Baptist Church this morning. Uh, we've got a lot going on in the church. Uh, kids are meeting this week for Kids Rock at, uh, on Wednesday, the 14th. Oh, you got to put it back up there. I'm losing it. There it is, October the 14th, one night only, BBC Kids Rock. And we also have the backpacks that we have been uh, getting together for the school kids. Those are due on the 18th. Um, we also have, uh, let me think. Oh, yeah, the Oneida Clothing, Clothing Drive. I've, I think when they move it up there, I can't see it. But the Oneida Clothing Drive is uh, going on. And we have the men's breakfast October 24th. So there's a bunch of stuff going on in October. We've got a lot of things back on the calendar that we are happy about. And um, we hope that you guys can come out and join us for all of those. So um, let's stand up together. We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your house, Lord, and just worship. And, and we ask that you just open our hearts to the message this morning that Brother Harold has. And, and Lord, we just ask that you use him to just, uh, to just fill up that opening that we have. Lord, just continue to bless this church and, and all of the things that we have going on. We're just so thankful to have things back on our calendar and, and being able to meet together. Lord, just be with our country as we go through this election uh, season and just be with uh, all of those leaders and, and, and everything that's going on with, with this virus and all the things we have going on. We just want you to be in the middle of that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you can turn around and yell at somebody. There's a little bit of room, so you can move a little bit, but uh, just say hi to somebody this morning and tell them you're happy to see them. Swallowed up forever by the fury of your love. 
Join us for a word of prayer this morning over our offering. Lord, we just come to you again just so thankful for the things that you bless us with, Lord, and, and the opportunities that we get um, in this country and, and just being a follower of yours, Lord. Thank you for that. Lord, just be with us uh, through this week and, and, and through this day as we learn a little bit more about uh, your word for our life and, and help us to be receptive to that message. And we just thank you for the offering and those that give it, Lord, and help us to use it in a way that just glorifies you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. You guys have a seat. Amen. Thank you. They're playing it up this morning. Waking us up. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, we're in the book of Job this morning. It's right in front of the book of Psalms. If you look to the middle of your Bible, you'll find Psalms and turn to your left. You'll find Job. We'll be looking at the first chapter, beginning a new series today called When Life Gets Tough. And uh, 2020 has been a tough year for many people. Um, in the book of Job, we're going to see God allow a good man named Job to suffer. We're going to see Job's faith. We're going to see God's sovereignty. We're going to learn some things about suffering. Uh, we'll be called to reflect upon our faith. Uh, what happens when we go through suffering? Will we still fear God and love God or will we curse God? And uh, what we know is that God is good in all of His ways. Uh, he loves us. He sent His Son to rescue us from destruction. And uh, He has given us the gospel, which is the good news, uh, in which he, has, he saves us through faith. And uh, what we must understand is that if the gospel is true, it, it is good during the good times, and it's true during the, the tough times, the trials, the storms of life. And uh, we need to get the message of Job because... Uh, tough times are coming. More trials are, are on their way for some of you that are here today. And, and some of you might be here today and saying, well, I'm right in the midst of a, a, a trial. Or maybe you're just coming out of a trial. Uh, we all can be certain that the trials of life will come our way and we need to be prepared. And so today I, I just want to title this our, our preparation before suffering. Our preparation before suffering. If you have Job 1, I invite you to stand and and uh, we'll honor God's Word together this morning. What a beautiful week we've had, amen? The moon's been bright and shining, beautiful days, and praise God for that. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the earth. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has and on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day with when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the Otis brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans have formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people and their dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Let's pray. Father, your word is holy, and uh, we pray today that we'll understand more about you, 
Lord, that you'll be magnified. Lord, you are good in all your ways. And, and Lord, we'll never understand everything about what about life and why things happen. And, and yet we can be certain that you are good and you work things for our good. Uh, you're the one who gives. And uh, we just want to praise you for that today. We pray that you'll use your word today to minister to hearts. You know the needs of those that are gathered in this room. And so we pray that you would minister your grace if there's any that's lost, I pray that they would know your goodness and uh, they would see Jesus on the cross dying for their sins and they would respond to that in faith. And uh, we just ask your blessings on this next few minutes as we look to your word together and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> so Job is what we call a, a wisdom book and it shows us, teaches us how to fear and and trust the living God even when the dark clouds of, uh, overshadow us and, and when pain and agony comes uh, in this life. Uh, I just want to say up front, don't, don't expect to get all your questions uh, answered about the problem of evil in our world. Listen, I, I don't have all those answers. Uh, my greatest desire is, is for God to just prepare us, prepare us individually and, and as a church for suffering. Uh, by helping us to just to understand that that uh, some things about God, and, and we need to know some things about God when we get that awful phone call about somebody's been in a wreck, or we get those results back and they're not good, or whatever the tragic news uh, might come. We need to know some things about God, and uh, I don't expect this study to take away all of the pain of suffering, uh, but I hope that we can get to a point in life. Uh, where we can say with the psalmist in Psalm 73, 25 and 26, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I, I want us to get to a place where we have such a view of God that, that we can go through anything uh, knowing His faithfulness and His goodness. So three things we want to look at in chapter 3. Our preparation for suffering. Our preparation, secondly, our understanding of suffering, and then our, our response to suffering. Uh, nothing fancy this morning. Just We'll start with our preparation for suffering. We meet this man named Job in verse 1. Uh, this is the man for whom this book is, is named. He, he's not the main character of Job. God, God's the main character. Uh, God's the main character of the whole Bible. We, we look to him. We learn about him. But in verses 1 through 5, we meet this man named Job, and we might ask the question, what kind of man was Job? Well, uh, he was a blameless and upright one in verse 1, one who feared God and turned away from, from evil. And so uh, he, here's a man, he, he's in the land of Uz, which we don't know a lot about. It's in Arabia, and uh, we don't have any de details about Job's ethnicity, uh, his genealogy, his age. He's just a, a man from Uz, a man maybe like you and I. And, uh, and so we don't have much background information, but we learn some things about his character. Uh, verse 1, he's blameless and upright. Uh, he fears God. He turns from evil. And so the first thing is Job was a godly man. Godly man. And, uh, and then verse 2 says he had seven sons and three daughters. And, and Job cared deeply about his family. Uh, verse 4 says that his sons and daughters, they would hold, hold a feast. It, it sounds like maybe it's kind of like a birthday feast in uh, one of their houses, and they'd invite their other siblings. And uh, Job, aware of the temptations of the flesh, it says in verse 5, when the days of the feast had run their course, or when that was over, Job would send and consecrate them and would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And so uh, he would offer sacrifice on the behalf of his children. And, uh, and it says the reason is because it may be that my children have sinned. And so Job cared about the spiritual welfare of his family and his children. And so not only was Job a godly man, he was a, a family man. Then in verse 3 it says he had uh, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen. Five, that's, that's, this is a pretty good, pretty good size estate, isn't it? 500 female donkeys, lots of servants. He was the greatest of all the people in the east. And so Job was a, a prosperous man. And so verses 1 through 5 just tell us some things about the man Job. And I think these verses shed some light on how Job was able to respond to suffering the way that he does 
respond. And we're going to see in this chapter that when everything is gone, in verse 22, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. And so uh, we, we haven't gotten into all of the details of Job's trials, but we know they were severe. And uh, we wonder, when we read about all these servants coming in and telling him how he's lost everything, we wonder sometimes, why didn't Job just curse God and die, as his wife suggests over in chapter 2, verse 9? And I think part of the answer to that is what Job knew about God before his suffering. Before his suffering, Job had some important convictions about God. It says there in verse 1, he, he feared God. He had a, a reverent respect for God. Uh, he, he felt like God was worth fearing. And uh, so I believe as I read this that Job had a, a deep love and, and reverence for God and all filled wonder of, of God and His goodness and His glory and His holiness and His power and His, his sovereignty. And here's what I've seen is uh, unless God has become the, the treasure, unless God has become the treasure and the light of your life, when severe trials come, you might just fall apart. But that's not the case with Job. And, and listen, if you listen to some preaching that's on TV or, or the radio, you, you might get the, the conclusion that Jesus is some cosmic Santa Claus who just wants to make you happy and bless you. Uh, listen, if that's your perception of God, uh, you're not going to be prepared to deal with the storms of life. And, and uh, your faith will likely crumble. But if our hope is in God Himself, and our hope is in God and not the gifts that He gives, but our hope is in Him, then we'll be better prepared for the tragic phone call or the knock at the door or the, the dreaded test results. When life gets tough... Uh, what we know and think about God is so very important. And, and the reason is because it, God is the object of our hope. God is the object of our hope. It's, it's not our life or, or not my happiness, not my stuff, not, my, not the American dream. But if God is our hope and our delight and our treasure and our reward, we'll be able to deal with the, the trials of life. And so it seems to me that God had, had brought Job to a point where his greatest delight was in God, above and beyond all of his blessings. And they, and they were great, but his great delight was God. And uh, so let me just kind of cut to the chase at the very beginning of this series. We want to be prepared for life's trials. Uh, we must get to a point where our greatest hope and delight in this world is in God. Above and beyond anything else, above and beyond our family, our, our fortune, our fame, our, our health, our greatest treasure and delight must be in God. And so, uh, a little bit of the preparation for suffering. Uh, second, our understanding of suffering. And I already said, we, we don't, uh, I, I don't want you to come expecting to understand everything about the ways of God or the causes of evil or even suffering. But 6 through 12 kind of shed some light on uh, a little bit of, of the pain and suffering in life. And so before we look at this exchange between uh, God and, and Satan, uh, I want us to acknowledge some things about suffering. There is this law of, of sowing and reaping. And uh, th this law of sowing and reaping, sometimes people make bad choices and they reap the consequences and we sometimes bring pain and suffering upon ourselves, and sometimes we get what we deserve. And in a, in a couple of weeks, we'll see that Job's friends assume that's what's happening to Job, is that uh, he's lived a certain way, and now he's reaping the results of that. Uh, but what we see in Job's life is that suffering can be undeserved. We go back to verse 1. He's blameless. Now, not sinless, but, but blameless, upright, fears God, shuns evil. Uh, in verse 8, he is referred to as my servant Job. Uh, I mean, to be, be called a servant of the Lord puts you in some very unique company. Uh, Moses is a servant of the Lord and some of the prophets. And, of course, we know Jesus is, in Isaiah 53, he's the suffering servant who would come and bear our sins, and by his stripes we would be healed. And, uh, but we read Job, and we conclude that his suffering was, was undeserved. Secondly, suffering can be unexpected. 
And so uh, when we come to verse 13, uh, now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking at their own. Um, th- so this is just a, a regular day. Uh, Job didn't wake up this day thinking that uh, everything was just going to fall apart. And uh, we go through life, and we go through life most often not expecting tragic things to happen. Uh, and sometimes we take life and meet each other for granted. And listen, we need to be reminded that we're, none of us are guaranteed another day of life or breath. And suffering comes unexpectedly. And, and then thirdly, suffering can be unbearable. Uh, this, this onslaught uh, begins in verse 14. Uh, a messenger came to Job and he says the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them and the Sabaeans. They fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants. And so all of your oxen and all your donkeys are gone. All your servants have been killed. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a bad day. But then verse 16, another servant comes. And while the first one was still speaking, he says, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the, uh, and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped. And so, the, I mean, possibly lightning followed by fire. But anyway, it, it comes and it wreaks havocs and it kills his flocks and his servants. And verse 17, while this servant is speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups. They made a raid on the camels and took them, struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped. And so now the, the Chaldeans come and they steal the camels and kill his men. And then 18... While he's still speaking, while he's lost all of his, his livestock, his servants, while he's still speaking, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine at your oldest brother's house, at their oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came, like a, a tornado, came across the wilderness, struck the four corners, and they're all dead. Seven sons, three daughters, all of them are gone. And uh, Edmund gets even worse in chapter 2. He has these sores or these boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And, and just uh, he's unable to rest. And he's just in misery and chronic pain. And we read this and, and we would say that Job's suffering is, is almost unimaginable. And uh, I, I doubt any of us will ever experience anything like this. But we do know that suffering is painful. Uh, even to the point of being unbearable. Sometimes we lose someone that we love so much that we, we just don't know how we're going to get through it. It's, it just it's, it seems unbearable. And so we, we acknowledge some things about suffering, especially in, in the life of Job. Let me make some affirmations about God. And what we're going to notice vividly throughout this book is the sovereignty of God, that God reigns over everything in the world. And so let's just go ahead and affirm that God is sovereign over uh, all of creation. Now we could turn over to, towards the end of Job, and we can see this many places. Let me just read a few verses in chapter 37, uh, verse 6. For the snow, he says, fall on the earth, uh, likewise the downpour, his mighty downpour. He seals up the hand of every man, and that all men whom he made may know it. And so he's just, this is saying that God sends the snow. He sends the downpours of rain. He can seal up the heavens and there will be no rain. The beasts go into their lairs and remain in their dens. From its chambers comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds. By the breath of God, ice is given and the broad waters are frozen fast. He loads the thick cloud with moisture and the clouds scatter his lightning. They turn around and around by his guidance to accomplish all that he commands them on the face of the the habitable world, whether for correction or for his land or for love, he causes it to happen. In other words, you know, it could be a, just a, it could be a, a, a beautiful day out there, and the next thing you know, God could, he can open up the heavens, and we would have so much snow that we're stuck in the house. God's that sovereign. He, he, he controls all that. And so not only is he sovereign over creation, but, but God is sovereign over his created beings. And so we go back to chapter 1 and verse 6. Uh, there was a day when the sons of God, and that's a reference to angels, uh, they came to present themselves before the Lord. And, uh, and so the angels gather to present themselves to the Lord. The language there of presenting themselves is used of a servant uh, appearing before their, their master to, to get their instructions or to report upon their, their duties performed. 
And so the Son of God, the sons of God, those are the angels, and Satan also came among them. And, and so hear me, God's not only sovereign, uh, he's sovereign over Satan. And uh, Satan is there at this heavenly meeting because uh, no one can resist the summons of Almighty God. And uh, Satan is there because he is an angelic being. He, he is a, a fallen angelic being, but yet he is subservient to God. And we have to understand that. And so I want you to think about Satan for just a moment. I don't want to give him too much airtime, but uh, he has supernatural powers. He is referred to as the prince of the power of the air, uh, the, the, the god of this age. And so I don't want us to underestimate the power of Satan. But what we notice in this dialogue between God and Satan is that this is not a conversation among equals. This is very important. God and Satan are not equals. Satan has supernatural powers, but God is omnipotent. That means that he is all-powerful. Satan is not. God is omnipresent. That means he's at all places at all times. Satan is not. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. Listen, Satan is not. Now, I don't want us to underestimate the craftiness of Satan. His name means adversary or the accuser. And he hates God, and he hates you and I. And, and uh, here we find him in the, the courts of the great king at the Lord's summons. And when God asks Satan where he's been, he replies in verse 7 that he has been going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down it. That, that's what he does. First Peter 5, 8, your, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so Satan is evil. Satan opposes God. And yet in God's purposes, his opposition serves God's cause. And so what Satan intends for evil, God is able to turn it for good. And so in verse 12, God says to, to Satan, uh, he's in your power, talking about Job, but uh, all that he has is in your hand, only against him do not stretch out your hand. And so we know this, that Satan can only do what God permits him to do and no more. That should give us some assurance. Uh, Satan is a relentless evil, but listen, church, he is on a leash. God is in control. And uh, let me just pause here for a moment and just say some things. God's sovereign design for our lives on this earth includes some suffering. God's sovereign design for our lives on this earth includes some suffering. And, and there's a real problem there in verse 8 for some people because in this passage, verse 8 says, The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. And so God is the one who suggests Job to Satan. Now, I believe that, uh, just studying this, that Satan's prompt reply indicates that, that uh, Satan maybe has been considering Job and maybe he's ready to make an accusation to God about Job and, and God just kind of beats him to the, to the punch. I, I'm not sure about that, but, but he certainly considered Job. And, and Satan replies, does, jo does Job fear God for no reason? And then basically in verse 11, have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? And you've blessed his work of his hands and his possessions have increased. But, but you stretch out your hand and touch him and all that he has and he'll curse you to your face. And, and so Satan basically says the only reason that Job fears you is because you've blessed him so richly. He's in it because of what he gets out of it. He, he, he basically says to God, you're being used and uh, if you stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, it, he'll curse you to your face. It's a wonder God hadn't just said, Get, go to hell. But, but I, I think God knows the truth about Job. And so he allows Satan to come against him. And again, Satan is still on a leash because God is sovereign over created beings. And then thirdly, God is sovereign over all circumstances. God is sovereign over our blessings, and we like those. And he's sovereign over our uh, James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so every good thing comes from God, and we readily admit that, and God is sovereign over our blessings. 
But listen, God is also sovereign over the calamities of life. And that's where it gets tough. Uh, you'll say, wait a minute, preacher. I, I thought God gave us the blessings and Satan brought the calamities and the cursings. Well, notice what Job says in verse 21. The Lord gave. We like that. The Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, when we get to chapter 2 next week, verse 10. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? God is sovereign over every circumstance of life. And if that were not the case, when we would have no peace and comfort. And listen, I, I believe Job understood that. I believe Job affirms that. And so let's go ahead and move to our last point, our response to suffering. After everything of value to Job has been taken away, we come to verse 20. And, and we see Job, even in the midst of this great pain, he's able to offer. And verse 20 to me is just one of the most astounding verses in the Bible. Then Job arose. I mean, he's lost all of his livestock, his servants, all of his children. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. you're like me, you read that and you say, how in the world could he worship and praise God in the midst of such pain? And the only answer, I think, is that God, Job knows the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, the, the presence of God. He's able to say in verse 21, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I'll return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, just a uh, you know, back in verse 1, uh, one who feared God, that, that name there of God there is just Elohim. That, that's just a generic uh, name for God. It's just God. He, he feared God. But in verse 21, the, the language that Job uses is, is the Lord, Yahweh. That, that's his personal name. That's God's covenant name. And so Job says, the, the Lord my Lord gave, and the Lord, Yahweh, has taken away. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. Blessed be the name of, of my God. In all this, Job did not sin, verse 22, or, or charge God with wrong. And, and let me just remind us, Job is unaware of all that has taken place in the heavenly court. He, do, he don't know about this discussion between uh, Satan and, and God. He doesn't know what going on and uh, he doesn't understand why all this calamity has fallen upon him and it's never explained in this book uh, and yet here Job does what seems so extraordinary uh, for us in a, in a day where we, we pursue comfort and ease and I think Job knew that life is not about what we possess it, it's not about our comforts and and so he, he shaves his head. In verse 20, he tears his robe. That's a, a, a traditional sign of, of mourning. He bows to the ground, and, and not in protest, not in anger, not in despair, but he bows to the ground in adoration and, and worship, and, and he confesses the goodness of God He confesses the goodness of God in the gifts that he gives us and the blessings, but also in his prerogative to take them away from us. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, uh, and we shouldn't fail to realize this morning that, that Job proves Satan a liar. Satan was wrong about Job. Job's fear and love for God was not about the gifts that God had given him. God himself was Job's treasure. And God knew that. And, and now Job knows that. And I think what Job teaches us is that faith clings to the goodness of God even in the dark hours. Even when our blessings have been torn from our hands. And listen, church, the only way that you and I can respond with praise when we find ourselves in, in such pain is, is by coming to a point in our lives where we delight more in the giver of all the good things that we have when we delight more in the giver than the gifts. 
these gifts might be taken away. All that we have. And God's been good. I look around. God's been good to us. Uh, but we must delight in the giver of those good things more than the gifts themselves. And, and so I just want to urge you this morning to delight yourself in God himself. I want to urge you to delight yourself in God himself who gives himself to us in Christ. And Christ is the great irrevocable gift of the gospel that can never be taken away. And so uh, we see the praise through the pain. Job fell to the ground and worshipped. Church, that's the most appropriate response for those of us who know and love God. And so I, I just want to close by pointing out the, the glory that we find in the gospel. You see, it was through the pain and suffering of, that was endured by, by Jesus that, that Satan was ultimately defeated. Uh, I mean, Job really shows that Satan's lack of power. I mean, I, I, I suspect in verse 20 when, when Job falls to the ground and worships God that, that Satan is humiliated because he had made this accusation. If you take all that stuff away, then he'll curse you. And yet instead of cursing, he is worshiping. And we, we won't read any more about Satan after chapter 2. He, he is silenced. And church, he's not going to show up anymore. He's, we're going to see him again at the cross. We're going to see him again when Christ comes. But let me just say, Satan is no match for our Christ. And Jesus, I mean, he suffered on the cross, and, and, and Satan stood by mocking him, but, but we know that wasn't the end of the battle. And we know that on the third day our Christ rose victorious over death, over the grave, and over Satan. And we know that Satan has been defeated. And so as we go through Job, we're going to see how God in His sovereignty uses suffering for our good. And Job's suffering, and, and even our own suffering, should be a, a reminder to us that, that even in suffering that God is sovereign. And, uh, and even to a point where He is going to allow Himself to suffer for our good. And that just should blow our minds that God would do that. It was in his suffering that he has provided a means for us to be saved. It was by his wounds that we're healed. And that's the glory of the gospel. That Jesus Christ would leave the glories of heaven. That he would come to this earth. That he would take upon himself our sin. That he would die a cruel death on the cross so that we might have life. And so may God so work in us before suffering comes so that when it does, and it will, that we too will be able to bow down and say with Job, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so Lord help us. Lord prepare us. Let's pray. Father, we don't have all the answers, but we do know this, that you are good, and you're sovereign, and in your goodness you have come in the person of Jesus, and you have taken our sins and paid in full the debt that we owe. And Lord, our response should be to fall down and to worship we thank you for the truth that we learned this morning about your sovereignty, about your goodness. Lord, we've been reminded that Satan's a liar. But you are truth. Lord, I pray that you'll work now through this time of commitment and invitation. Lord, there might be some who are weary and burdened today. I pray that they would come to you for rest. Lord, I, I pray that you would remind us all of your love for us that you displayed on the cross. Lord, you're good. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand this morning, and if you need to respond in some way to, to the Word of God, uh, we invite you to do that. Uh, we've sang about the cross and talked about the cross, but... Uh, I want you to know that God would so love you that he would allow his son to suffer and bleed and die so that you could have life eternal. And if you've never turned from your sins and believed upon Jesus, I, 
I'd love to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus Christ. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so So good to see you this morning, and uh, pray for pray for one another as we go through the book of Job. You know, it's it's uh, kind of easy to study Job when things are good and the sun is shining bright. Uh, but I realize that as I look out, there are people going through tough times, and 
And Job can be tough when, when you're in the midst of a trial. And, and so pray for one another as we go through this book. Uh, any, any words of praise this morning? I, I know Penny's coming home Tuesday, and so pray for her and Kevin as she continues to recover. Anybody got a word you need to shout today? Let me give you a couple of events coming up. This Wednesday night, the Kids Rock will meet in the gym at 6.30. Just going to have a special night for them. And I want them to know they're not forgotten about. And so that's this Wednesday night. Uh, On the 18th, we're going to have a Next Steps class. we got some people interested in learning more about the church. And so that'll be uh, two weeks from today. Uh, There's a place you can call the church office or you can register online. Men's breakfast is the 24th, and uh, we got a place to register for that as well so we know how many's coming. Uh, we hope you'll come out for that. We'll be doing that downstairs. Uh, the 25th, we're going to ordain Danny on that Sunday evening, and so we're excited about that. And uh, I think that might be enough for this morning. So why don't you close for us this morning, just, brother? Uh, I just got two things. Dollar Club, which is the clear boxes on your way out, and the backpacks do the 18th. And uh, let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you. So much for this opportunity to get together this morning and just worship. Lord, we just thank you for books like Job, who uh, there's just a lesson on every single page, Lord, and, and, and through every chapter. And, and we just uh, we just thank you so much for your faith in, in your children, Lord, and, and, and the things that you do for us and the sacrifice that, you, that you've made. And we just thank you for that. Lord, just continue to bless us. And we want to lift up all of those who are going through treatments this week and operations and coming home from the hospital. Lord, we just know that there's, there's so much of that going on in this church. We just want to ask you to, to just come into there and, um, and give some peace and some comfort and some healing, Lord, and work miracles because we know you can do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.